0: Hi, I'm Hedgeye's founder, Keith McCullough. Thanks for listening to this real conversation. If you like what you hear, you will love our investing research. We bring transparency, accountability, and actionable investing ideas to investors big and small. I'll put our investing process and team up against anyone in the world. Please visit Hedgeye.com to subscribe and learn a better way to invest. I'm Keith McCullough, and welcome to our first Real Conversation of 2023. I wanted to lead off with who I thought was, if I were to give out an MVP, we give out hockey pucks at the Hedgeye annual uh, holiday party, but if I were to give a a market MVP, who came out first with, like, the most emphatic, oh, my God, this is going to be bad bear call? It was the one and only Mike Taylor at the Hedgeye Live event in May. I believe it was in the first week of May. And uh, while I believe he was wearing a different jacket, although a very nice jacket, he pulled out a piece of toilet paper and rolled it right onto the stage and went through a list of shoes to drop. Um, So, Mike, congratulations on that epic call. It was awesome, man.
1: Thank you. Well, there's still a whole lot of shoes that haven't dropped yet. Uh, But uh, crypto was one of them, as you know, FTX um, and and so many others uh, are all coming about. Uh the private equity things, uh you see in the problems with B REIT and the redemption cycle that's just starting. Uh this is some of the mechanics that's uh, underneath the um under the surface that most investors don't know about.
0: Well I wanna so. I wanna get into a couple of those big ones that you just mentioned because those ones, you know, I, I think it'd be Hard uh, for people to make the argument that at least uh, Bankman-Fried's uh, shoes haven't dropped. He's not uh, not in the Bahamas, at least. But we have we Bree. You know they got they got some funding from uh, California yesterday, which was unbelievably high cost capital. Um, so I wanted to, to know if you had any any thoughts on that one in particular.
1: High cost for who? <laughs> <laughs> well, think of it like this. Think of it like this. You got it's like one one captain at the front of the titanic calling the other captain who's in the engine room that's flooding and he says hey you have a bucket and he's like yeah i got a bucket okay let's share and (laughs) and that's 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 really it as soon as it happened i you know i picked up the phone i started calling my peeps and i was like who's bailing who out here and uh and and the problem with b reed and and for those of your listeners that don't know b reed is the like the most pri uh popular and gigantic, uh, private wealth product that has been pitched through all the platforms and gotten a whole lot of, uh, retail money in, um, to, to invest in real estate and in the documents. And it was pitched to me, by the way. So, and this is one of the reasons why I, I have a brokerage account at many places is so I can hear about all these pitches and it's been pitched to me for years. Uh, and, and if you read the fine print, it says, yes, your money's locked up. You have to put $250,000 minimum in, and your money's locked up for one year. It's returned 18% every year forever. And after one year, you can have full liquidity and access to your money. So it sounds like an absolutely great idea. Mm. And then about two years ago, I got a call from a broker and said, we have news for you. (laughs) We have lowered the entry fee to $25,000 minimum. And is so you get in. And you and I know when that happens for uh, these private wealth products that are illiquid and really for only accredited investors, $25,000 minimum is like scrape. You're, you're literally it's a bar that's out of Schlitz. OK, the party is over and and i was i it just, every bell went off and i and then i was thinking about when does this blow up and i think we even we talked about this at the beginning of the year this specific product that would the gates will go up and everyone will be freaked out about BRe and then all the other private wealth products and if you don't know and i know you do but the uh, your your listeners may not know uh that the other big products have been uh private wealth in the way of leverage loans and leveraged loans right now have about a 10% yield, and it's a really great uh, return for um, people seeking dividend uh, income. Uh, the problem is with leveraged loans is that they've been sold to, in these packages, uh, unsophisticated investors, and uh, with leveraged loans, unlike other debt, there's no recourse. You are literally the last guy holding the cup when they go under. So if you think about the housing crisis that happened in 08. And this is another shoe that's going to drop in my view. Um, the housing crisis in 08, you still had 70% loan to value, 60% loan to value, meaning you didn't lose everything. You had, a, you had collateral in the house. And these leveraged loan products, your collateral is zero. There's no recourse. You are last in line. You're going to get nothing. And so when these start to go, and I believe that will be starting in this spring, it's just zero, 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 and you can't get out.
0: Yeah, you have, and, you and got, I've been. The, I'm sorry. The, no, finish. Go ahead.
1: And I've been surprised uh, how well they've held up, but uh, meaning that nobody's forward looking. But the truth of the matter is, nobody's forward looking, and uh, the crises uh, only happen to these investors when a brick hits them in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Be, and, and that'll be jobless claims. That'll be, and, and so what I believe the brick to the face is is a, starting this quarter and it might be just in the next few weeks, we're gonna to start to see a cascading of uh, gates going up across these products. Uh, I talked to a number of brokers um, that have informed me on the DL that there is already a backlog to get out of these things, which means the gates are gonna go up soon because uh, the backlog from last quarter gets applied to this. And it's really a collateral run on the money. Uh, people need the money. They need the money in part because uh the hedging requirements for other loan vehicles are not allowed to include hedge funds on one end or some of these products they thought you had liquidity now they don't so they're going to change their um they're going to change their sort of rules on what collateral is and this happened in 2009 i think it's going to happen again because they remember what happened in 09 and oh yeah.
0: it's it's an amazing thing because you know the the poorest of people or the people who had no money or were could afford to lose all that they had left the least, got absolutely pounded in the bullshit, you know, the crypto component of it or the story stock, Tesla component of it. you, know, you could see that they're concentric circles. Uh, many of those people all own both, you know, whether it was Tesla stock, yes. meme stocks, et cetera. But now we're moving towards the other you know, the other side of the pool, which is where the adults and the wealthy are. So, you know, whether it's, you know, high net worth products that you cited on loans, private equity, venture capital, you know, is it correct to just say that we're just waiting, like you said, for the redemptions for people to take their marks? And that's that's got really, you know, it, it actually. For I mean, if you just look classically at any recession, you know, profits go negative year over year. You know, liquidity dries up, people have to throw up their gates, redemptions are there, and voila. I mean, that that this is exactly what happens. The credit component of the event happens precisely at this time, the next one to three months. I mean, it's, this to me. Is almost too easy to see. Am I saying that correctly, uh, relative to, to what you're what you're thinking? Well, I
1: get a, a lot of calls from my guys. In fact, guys that I've trained and are running funds now, and they're PMs elsewhere, uh, and, and wonderful, brightest guys. Uh, they're, they're astonishing. Uh, my group of guys that I talk to on a daily basis, and uh, what they don't, you know, they don't quite understand is that I have to have my money back component. And, and that's something that I'm working with them through right now on what that looks like. And it's a run on collateral.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh.
1: And 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 we've seen it though in other areas that equity people haven't seen, meaning stocks to your viewers. Uh, we've seen it in the carry trade uh, all over the country, all over the world, where the, the one of the worst performing uh, assets was uh, U.S. Treasuries, mm-hmm. as we saw a collateral issue where they were heavily levered up and not hedged uh, long, and they basically had a margin call on their borrowing and had to sell Treasuries, and that's been a gigantic component of the sell-off. It's something that I didn't quite understand until it was probably June of last year. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, Happy New Year, by the way. And to you, my man. The um, the redemption side, like we can talk about, you know, either the private side or the one that you have the most. Well, actually, you have familiarity with both. Mike Mike uh, speaks to a lot of people and really digs into these things. Um, but, you know, you you speak explicitly to some of the most plugged in fund of funds you know, allocators, you know, this redemption cycle from, you know, my former life as a hedge fund manager and yours, you know, where are we there? And if you want to use innings or however you want to describe it.
1: We're in the first inning. We're in the first inning um, because, uh, and I know what the bet is. The bet is, is that the Fed's going to pivot and everything will be fine. And we need to go into that because I have great, great fear that the Fed is going to pivot too soon and have disastrous consequences over the long term, even intermediate term. Uh, so, but anyway, we're in the first uh, inning of that, and the redemptions just started in last quarter. And uh, my fund of funds guys were surprised uh, by the degree and who. Uh, one thing that they cited was we're having redemptions from hedge funds because pension funds have to get out. Because they have to raise capital because they're having what's called a capital call on their privates. And, and there was a big red flag. They're like, uh-oh. And for those of you that don't know, sometimes when these pension funds and other investors will sign on for a private equity fund, they sign an agreement for a call on capital in addition to what they uh, put in and at some time in the future. And they received that capital call because a lot of these privates are uh, circling the toilet bowl and they need cash and they can get it by doing this capital call through the private equity um, administrators. Uh, but they didn't have the money, the pension funds didn't have the money and so they had to go find collateral to lever up and they couldn't do it in treasuries because treasuries sold off so much that they were underweight treasuries so they had to go to hedge funds and, and, and equities in general. And that was one of the big reasons we saw a lot of the sell-off, especially in the 4Q. Uh, So it's really fascinating. And that's why I'm like, this is the first inning. Because remember, the, the private books mark what the value is. It's pretty much whatever the hell they say. And this is a big reason why REIT is trying to raise enough capital so that they don't have to mark down too many assets on redemption. Because REIT, for instance, in my view, it, it, the, the Blackstone real estate product, is mismark their nav, the net asset value, by at least twenty percent. In fact, last year they were marking a nav that's up year on year, while all the assets have gone down double digits in the real world. And so they've mismarked it. And if they ever had to make a sale, the auditors would come in and say, No, 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 you gotta miss you gotta remark everything down. And then everyone will get their statement and it says you lost sixteen percent this quarter and then they freak out and they all want their money back. And and that's what we're 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 engaging in right now illiquid assets where everyone's jammed up to their eyeballs in it and they're trying to scamper around and get enough money to mark the asset up uh on the next raise because they all need money and and this this of course is the game that they're going to play this is exactly what's done before uh when in doubt you have to mark your book up with your own money so you have to find a source of capital and that capital has been stocks some treasuries uh things like that but that's the first inning and it, you could look at it like this. It's buying the dip because the market is a very small dip. And now I got to mark it up to stay there. So I'm buying the dip. And what happens that's really bad, like what you watched in Tesla, is uh, levered uh, what is now kind of a illiquid um, assets. And people buy the dip. They get there. And, and then it breaks to a new low. Yep.
0: Well, and that is now a, what? That is now a, what? The, the definition of... Uh Shoes dropping going to shoes crashing when you make lower lows and you you continue to make lower highs on the bounce. You make lower lows on the on the preceding move. I mean, intraday, as as you well know, yesterday, intraday Tesla was down 15 percent on the day. Uh, It lost more market cap in the first three hours of trading in a year ever for anything. Um, obviously, we've seen commensurate, uh, and and really, that's that that that's there's a there's a capital call on Elon Musk. I mean, there's there's it's all to me like within the construct of what it, what I call the mother of all bubbles. It's all one and the same thing, Mike. I guess what people, at least I talk to on the institutional side, clients that you know they're your friends or they're in your, your team of guys as you call them, um, or otherwise. I mean, people, it's it's just it's it's crazy because uh, it's, it's it's not my first rodeo you know, calling a big crash or anything like that or now talking to other people on the other side. What they want is what they're not going to get until it's too late. They all want to know what's the next, and I'm sure you're going to, by the way, you're going to have some ideas on this, so, so there will be some things that you think you know, but everyone needs to know. So what's it going to be this time? What's it going to be this time? Meanwhile, you've got everything staring you right in the face uh, from you know, crypto to, to, to B-REAT and back again. And, and I wonder if it's just that not the same lesson that we all learned in 08. People first sell what they can, not what they should. And the last part of the movie is you have to sell what you should have. And that's all the liquid shit that you haven't taken your marks on yet. I mean, Jonathan Gray at Blackstone, um, you know, I said shame on him. I mean, they're, you know, they're good people and all that. You know, they've run a great firm. But I, I thought that there was some shame in him. He was really talking up the nav of the product. He knows damn well he shouldn't have been doing that. Um, so we, we do have like some things out there in the public that are trying to keep, you know, the, the ball, uh, or the shoes <laughs> from not dropping. Um, but that's, that's kind of anti-gravity type shit. Well, on the anti-gravity, uh, you know, I
1: talk to my guys and they're like, what, well, well, Mike, why are you so sure that this has to happen? And, and this is one of the things that I look at over time I learned, um, that, Great shoes to drop are things that have to happen. And so it's not really a question whether it will. When you look at this, um, margin call in illiquid levered loan assets, um, and, and, and I really view this BREAT as a levered loan asset, uh, in a way, um, because it's, it's sort of the wrong people in a liquid asset and they think it's liquid. Um, it's, it's because of M2. And I think uh, your firm, uh, Hedgeye, has astutely put out some of the uh, commentary on the M2. And for those that you don't know, that's that's referred to as the money supply. And the money supply has exploded during COVID um, to the degree that the U.S. could be viewed as a banana republic. It literally lifted 40 percent plus in a period of 18 months. Uh A 6% increase in M2 would be a lot. That means a lot of new loans, a lot of new money being created. And 40 plus percent is insane. Uh, but look, the, the Fed at the time didn't know how bad COVID was going to be. And, and, you know, so they, they really panicked and, and hit that button and were in the back end of that modern monetary theory experiment where they're trying to pull the liquidity out. So M2 has is negative and it's meaningfully negative. And what that means, if you think about it, start with $100. So I I run a business and I borrowed $100 into existence in the past two years, all right? And I need to pay a coupon on that $100. But the problem is right now, as of right now, it's like there's $99 in the entire economy available versus 100 before. And so there isn't enough money to actually make the coupon payment. So think of it like that. The money has been sucked out of the system. So somebody has to fail. And the most likely place where the failure begins is in these uh, low collateral, no collateral leveraged loan market and illiquid things. And this has to happen because there literally isn't enough money in the world. Believe it or not, there isn't enough money in the world to satisfy how much debt there is in the world. And you've also put up the chart many times on the uh, debt to GDP, which has gone parabolic in the past 10 years. And I mean insane parabolic. Same with uh, home value to GDP. uh, And basically every metric shows Parabolic debt versus income, yeah, and, if you, and if that's you should, what we're just, that's what we're stepping into. These companies have to fail, and and the failure begets failure, especially for these no collateral situations. And so I'm very 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 worried about this, and I believe that we're going to start to
0: see the beginnings of this uh, this quarter. Yeah, if you look at uh, guys, if you can go to slide ninety seven in our current macro deck, just so that. People can contextualize with a picture the words that just came out of Mike's mouth. I mean, you know, it's it's an amazing thing, I mean, to to see that type of a chart. On the one side, for many years, call it our entire career. You and I have been doing this for uh, collectively over 50 years, dare I uh, admit. Um, But (laughs) for our whole career, Mike, that chart go up. You know, when there's a problem, that chart go up. The money supply comes in. This is the whole point that you're making, that you know, everyone you know, in our business is begging perpetually for the pivot. They're doing it again today. They're hoping that the Fed minutes are more dovish or something like this. Um, but the fact of the matter is that QT is not dovish. And raising rates again in February is not dovish. And M two going negative in rate of change terms, it, actually it's the worst it's ever been. And, and then if you broaden that to the to the chart on the on the right side, which is the G four, it's 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 much worse. <laughs> you know, from a much and, higher. And rate. you have to juxtapose this too, because it's that M two goes negative,
1: but at the moment where debt to GDP is parabolic. Yes. And and I look at it and I say, Oh my God, bad things have to happen. Big shoe bad things have to happen. And the bulls will say, "Well, that's good because the Fed will never let it happen." And yep. that
0: leads me into my biggest fear. Well, I mean, let's and let's let's go th- let's, let's let's actually show that that chart just so that people can see. Uh, By but- the way,
1: we didn't prep this. I want your viewers to know, you just pulled this all up. We, Keith and I did not prep this at all. We don't even know what we're going to talk about, and he's <laughs> able to out these charts this fast. It's just goddamn impressive. Well,
0: Well, I mean, if you look at it on the household side, you know, like because there's both, you know, our business, the you know corporate side, fully loaded private equity, you can public markets, but on the household side, on slide thirty. You know, this is the only time in the history of the household side where we've shot towards a 7% mortgage rate and certainly not seen anything remotely close to that, to that pace. And when you kind of think this through and you think about the total debt that Mike's talking about on slide 34, you know, this is the world being entrenched in this short dollar position. So on the left side, Mike, as you pointed out, total U.S. debt, this is domestic non-financial sector um, debt in billions of dollars. So that would equate to $68 trillion. And then on the right side, you know, you get the EM debt and the, uh, the total foreign denominated debt. So these are like like this has to happen. And 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 like you said, and I want to get into what you've also said has to happen because one of your biggest shorts has been Apple, which is the most liquid thing on the earth that you could trade and has also gone straight down. What's interesting is the Apple and the Tesla, which trade like water, Go straight down because they need to be the liquidity, like you said, with your analog to the let's just share the bucket, to go deal with this sucker. I mean, is there there any way it doesn't go that way that you're talking? What are the ways? It's the Fed comes in and goes dovish and prints money again. I guess is answer number one, two, and three. That that is
1: the that is the only way this doesn't happen, and and. And I have a great, tremendous fear that the Fed will blink. And don't worry, I'll make a lot of money on it, right? If they blink and stocks take off, um, that they will blink. And how they'll blink, uh, I think everyone's wrong. Everyone cites interest rates. They they will taper the quantitative tightening first. That'll be the first thing that they do. Mm -hmm. And then everyone will say, oh, the pivot. But uh, on CNBC, people don't understand what that means, so they just keep talking about interest rates. Interest rates are, yes, it's a big problem, but the big, big problem is quantitative tightening, mm-hmm. uh, for, for the cost of capital. Uh, so I, my biggest fear is that they, they do pivot too soon. Uh, they, they really, in order to make sure that inflation is down and stays down, uh, they have to pivot when jobless rates are at least five and a half percent, uh, unemployment. And historically, that's what we, where we need to be. And, It's very important for your listeners to understand why. Why is it that they have to get to a jobless rate of five and a half? Uh, Because they always tell you, our job is to tame inflation, have maximum employment. That's not their job. They lie to you. They all lie to you. Their job is to make the Treasury look solvent. And we have a huge problem at the federal budget right now. The Treasury, which is what manages all the debt, the Treasury is now borrowing most of their debt over 4% up from 1.6 the vast majority of the us and i mean vast vast majority of us debt is on a ninja loan uh, at a teaser rate of 1.6 to 1.7 and and that's literally how the government is financed or was financed on the short end of the yield curve so it's essentially a floating uh, mortgage and and rates have gone d- because of their own doing, uh, rates have gone from, uh, 1.6, 1.7 to over four. Uh, so that means that as they roll this debt, uh, every year, the, uh, the treasury payout goes up. In fact, it is doubled. And well, who cares? It doubled. What does that mean? Well, in the, the tax returns, which the money comes out of, and you look at the federal budget, or so of the uh, federal budget is coupons for the debt. Well, if you double that, all of a sudden it's 30%. Well, if it's 30% of tax returns that they have to pay out, that means you can't have a military. That Mm. means you can't have Social Security. You can't have Medicare. And the argument will be, well, they'll just borrow more. No, they won't. No, they won't. Because 40% of our debt is financed by foreign investors. So if they have to go out there and soak the market for more and more debt, our yields are going to go up, up, up. And if you ride this out for three years with a 4% yield, you essentially have succeeded in nearly doubling the cost of capital for the entire federal government. So we'll be in that situation. And this is why the Fed has to tank this economy in order to get yields down and make them stay down. And that's my view on it. And I hope that they understand it because I hope they do it. Because if they don't do it and they pivot too soon, inflation is gonna come raging right back in 24. And there's structural issues around that, around minerals, materials, uh, labor, things like that. And I, I think that they're cognizant of this and that's why they won't pivot even if we have the beginnings of a credit crisis, which I believe we will uh, starting in this quarter. It's- and it'll be early. Meaning everyone will deny it, just like uh, just like in uh, high risk mortgages, they denied it for years before it really blew up. This will be faster. It's so uh, well because put. there's no collateral for a lot of the debt out there. That's why it'll be faster.
0: I mean, Mike, you're doing people the people uh, service by explaining what's going on in English. You know, wouldn't it be nice if 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 there were other places where you heard people speak in English and in practical terms and how you're going to risk manage it? Um, you know, back to that point. I mean, that's terrible. I'm terrified that they will make the
1: wrong decision. Terrified. Not for me. I'll make a lot of money doing it. All right. If they do it, I'll know what to do. I'm terrified for my son and my daughter. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's that's where I was going to get on this. If they get in that
1: situation, we may be looking at the U.S. engaging in yield curve control, just like what this will be exactly what happened in Japan, where they can't stop printing. Mm -hmm. They have to manually push down the yield because they can't tank the economy because the duress that would come from it, because the debts are so high, it would be far too much to bear. And so then if they do yield curve control, the U.S. dollar is absolute toast, Mm -hmm. absolute toast, because now we would be, the U.S. would be no better than Japan and Europe and China, where they just balloon their debt with the printing press. and. And if you turn us into the going from the least dirty shirt in the basket to an equally dirty shirt in the basket, they're not going to prefer the U.S. dollar. They're going to prefer nothing. And and in order for our military to work, in order for our cost of capital to work, we need a dollar supreme, dollar supremacy. And the only way we can do it is being more fiscally responsible than everyone else. And I hope that the the Fed is cognizant of that. Because I really fear for decades lost, for the foreseeable future, if that sort of transpires. And that is why, ultimately, I believe they will not pivot. Uh, So keep your eyes peeled. It's going to be a very, very, very big deal on what they do if they pivot around credit issues and fear around the middle of the year. I think it will be too soon. I think it has to be at the end of the year at best and into 24 alternatively. And that would really set us up for uh, a very difficult time with debt. Uh, That doesn't mean that there won't be money to be made and it's the worst thing in the world. Uh, I believe actually for the setup for this year is that stock picking is going to be king. I believe we're going to have really, really great stock picking this
0: year. Well, it's um, it's a really kind of a humbling thing to hear you say that about your about your son. I know, uh, I don't know him well personally, but I know of him um, directly through all your experiences that you have with him and Max, and is in his, and his uh, what is becoming quite an illustrious uh, racing career at a, at a young age. So I know when you say that, I know you you mean that in a way that it'd be nice. Like, back to the Jonathan Gray point, he's just pumping the, the NAV on b read. You know, he's not talking about the long-term effects of what you know another Fed pivot would do for the country. That's what I'd love to hear. You know, I mean, there really, to me, there are two kinds of fears You know, on this topic. One very short-term, the one that's existential for every single fucking guy that runs a book. Every guy that I talk to. And they're mostly guys. And there are many guys and gals, but they live in perpetual short-term fear of any hint of what they've had, which is that thing that Mike fears on a much longer-term duration for the country. Those are two different fears. I rarely have conversations with institutional clients where they talk about the existential fear of the U.S. dollar, of capitalism, of free markets, of doing this again and again and again. It's like, it's like you know, you don't, you don't need a miracle. You actually, this has happened before, and that's you know, let's just tie this back a bit. If you listen to what Volker actually says, whether it be privately or even publicly, publicly is very clear. People just don't want to listen because they can't afford the truth. It's like watching a few good men. You know, he he, he sits there and he says, "I don't want to make the one mistake that Volker made because if you remember, Volker didn't go hawkish enough early enough. And when he says that if he could take it back, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have had, he didn't really have a pivot, so to speak." but he would have been more hawkish sooner because he had to finish the job at m- a much more forceful level of interest rates into 1981-82. So you do have the political setup for that, Mike. Like, I don't know if you saw, but DeSantis gave his first kind of like, you know, you know his first stump speech last night. And um, yeah, that's kind of the speech, really. I mean, and, and, you know, Powell's a Republican and he says he wants to be like 1980s style guy. And, you know, DeSantis keeps citing, you know, that his hair might be the same as you know the other Republican Reagan guy, and you know, it's not. It, Any I mention that long term case to the hyperventilating types that live in fear of the short term pivot, like today, they're like, "Oh, I didn't think about that." But but how do we trade today? You know, like <laughs> it's it's an amazing dichotomy, really, you know, at this point in American history. Well, I mean, in my experience,
1: every great trade is at least a year in the making. And you have to look out to the if-then scenarios so you know what to do when the time comes. And so I spent an awful lot of time drawing on a napkin uh, how <laughs> things play out. Like like my – oh, wrong hand. And like my list of uh, – over here, I'm over my left shoulder. Everyone asks. I have a list of uh, bearish trades uh, right here. And uh, many of them are ones that I think are going to visit uh, Dr. Zero. He'll be making a house call um it's a, it, so you really think about uh if then scenarios on everything and that's really how i play the game so i'll think about the short term medium and long and long's always hard to predict and i rarely bet on the long but i know or i'll try to train myself what to do when those sort of long-term events start to come into view
0: yeah that ticker list i see a few uh few uh little flashy ones that we like. Uh, well, we've already talked about BX, which is Blackstone, uh, which you have on that list. You do have MPW on that list, which is a, oh, yeah. a, a really nice short. Um, yeah. What do you think prevents – it's one thing for Blackstone to 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 prevent gravity for another month or two with the deal that they just did at, at 11.5%. But um, what does an MPW do? Like, pick any of your shorts. Let's start going through some stocks where – you know, visiting Dr. Zero is a credit event. I mean, last I well, checked what happened at, at MPW, as you know, our analyst knows it well. Uh, it was a default. You know, it's, you know, they could call it whatever they want, but it was a default. It's, it still
1: might be. But, uh, I mean, look, that that one's more, you know, I, I, I actually view that one more as a, an ongoing, dare I say it, potential fraud, um, uh, that's going on. And I, I I don't want to go into too much detail about about all the ins and outs on it. As you know, I I do research on an awful lot of stocks, but that is definitely a distressed asset. But what I wanted to make clear to everyone uh, is that this year is the biggest number of publicly traded stocks I've ever seen that will probably go to zero. And I have a whole book of uh, names that I think Uh, literally don't have the capital or the wherewithal to raise uh, between here and you're in. And and it's the musical chairs, and we go back to the M2, is that there's going to have to be a number of losers. And look, over the past decade, we've had an incredible number of businesses that have gotten very large market caps, uh, all dependent upon funding. And, uh, and, And many of them now have matured into businesses that are now productive. They're making a product, and they're making it at a loss and a loss that's forever. And you know, you can cite AMC or, um, or DraftKings, uh, a whole lot of ones. Um, and uh, those two, I don't have positions in right now. Uh, but those are examples of ones that have to, in my view, probably have to skirt with zero or go to zero uh, because they, their underlying business is not a profitable one. And they're contingent upon constantly raising capital. Um, and really the, the, the investor thesis, at least in the case of AMC, GameStop, Bed Bath and Beyond, is that oh hedge funds will get squeezed on it, so let's get long. <laughs> and I mean that's the dumbest thesis. I mean, tell me what instance in the, in which that thesis can persist for any period of time that's substantial.
0: Never. Well, ever. Well, well that, that like let's just you know tie this back to those two fears. You know, and, and you know, for, for everyone who is, is is still human here, you know, you're constantly fighting these two wolves. I didn't make this up again. And 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 your goal is is not to let one of them win. And and that short term fear, Mike, that when I talk to in particular people at at your former firm or any of the big pod shops, because they're trying to run neutral, which is extremely difficult, as you well know in this environment. They, if you watch the rallies, you can see it again today. Every single rally we've had to lower highs has been led by the shit. Right? So these bear shit baskets or a bit, today it's the Bitcoin sensitive baskets. Um, you, they, that's, that's the point. People are like, okay, we might have a dovish catalyst here with Fed minutes. Uh, I gotta cover my shorts. And they do it all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and it draws in that, that poor bastard who's sitting there trading meme stocks still at this point for what well, maybe he dipped into his grandpa's account at this point because he's eviscerated so much of his parents or his capital. Um, but, but that, isn't that just it? that the the most logical things to actually go to zero are the things that are up the most today or in on any bear market rally day.
1: Uh yeah, usually um I mean look, this has been a unique environment coming into 22 where there were so many businesses like this that were contingent upon constantly raising dollars for an unprofitable business that really had no horizon to ever be profitable. This is a unique time, and I know many of the younger investors, they don't know that because this is all that they know. But 20 years ago, this happened. It just happened on a much, much, much smaller scale, and I'm talking about the dot-com bubble. It was tiny compared to what has happened over the past year and a half. I mean, we just had so many 10 to $50 billion companies that just didn't and don't, still don't have a prayer of ever being profitable. And now that they are having difficulty raising money to keep this going, these many of these are down 80%. And, and like, for instance, if you look back at the biggest uh, market bubble PM that there was at the time, 20 years ago, it was Bill Miller. Mm -hmm. And and you remember Bill Miller, you know, he was the dot com cowboy and he got absolutely destroyed. And his fund was down 90 percent by 03 and they shut the fund down and that's it. And so I had it in the back of my head that 90 percent is sort of the bottom for the bubble, the bubble PM. The the drawdown will be 90 percent top to bottom. And I look at uh, ARK uh, right now and I look at the portfolio of names in it and i'm not so sure the bottom's down 90% because 80% of that entire book i don't think any of them make it so the the low might be quite a bit more and it's going to be contingent upon what the fed does and when they do it because changing the cost of capital will change the direction of these stocks and the ability for these companies to raise money and go back to their old game
0: yeah, so well, that's, that's the part that people miss about store, uh, well, about the quads, you know, a bull market, a raging bull market. If you go back to, you know, go to slide uh, 13, the history of the GDP series, I mean, we went to north of 12% GDP when Quad 2 was peaking. Money was free. Uh, we had QE plus, you know, big government stimulus. And that's when you could sell the dream on a story stock. Let me tell you a story about the future. And that, you know, the future is great. But in capital market terms, or if you're poor me who started my firm in 08, I couldn't call and I didn't call. I, I had to fund my own business. And yeah. if we didn't generate a positive P&L within the, you know, the time frame that I had, three years, we would have gone away like many startups do uh, or any growth opportunities do. And that's like it's it's a really amazing lesson that, that people have to learn cyclically over and over and over again. I mean, this is the third time for you and I because, you know, we – got through the 01 recession. You should barely see the recession, but the profit recession was a collapse, and, and obviously anything that was unprofitable went away. Uh, then you had 08, and then obviously you have now, but now it's much larger. Uh, what I'm most concerned about, just to tie this back to the dollar discussion and rate policy, if you go to slide 52, guys, to show you know what Mike and I are talking about here, You know, this Volcker moment for the U.S. dollar in the early 1980s, you you go back to this point where that first move up in the dollar actually went to where we've gone the last two, you go to the 2001 recession or most recently. You know, but if somebody's for real, like after the 2001 recession, you had Greenspan do exactly what Bernanke eventually did. They, They went to the pivot. They went to the rate cut. They went to the cowbell. If you don't have that, if the cost of capital is rising, and the value of dollars explodes from here to the upside, like it did coming out of the 81-82 recession. Mike, there is nobody on the planet that runs money inside of the last 25 years, the time that I just span that would know what to do from 1980 to 1983. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't disagree. So, so that's my question for you. I mean, while it, it is our greatest fear. It's the greatest fear for my short book, but I know what to do with it. I know what the sound of cowbell is. I have yes. cowbell. I have a missy I have a Mississippi State cowbell. I have uh, this. I have a little cowbell. I have. I got all sort. I know what to do with cowbell. Like I'm not. We're not idiots. We've been trained. You know, if yes. it rings a- softly, we cover a little bit. If it rains loudly, we don't just cover. We get long. We get long. Kathy Wood. Yes. That's how you make money on that. Absolutely, but but the fear just because it's a fear doesn't mean it's going to happen. In my situa- my high probability situation is that everyone's greatest fear is going to end up not happening.
1: I, I have I have fears that are very very similar, so, <laughs> and uh, and it is it is a uh, look. The job that we do is hell. I don't even know why I do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, sometimes I think just like m- just like my son uh, racing cars, I'm like, couldn't you have done anything else? <laughs> right. So <laughs> anything. Else. I look at myself, too. Couldn't I have because I it would have been a lot easier and I'd probably make more money if I did. Not that I haven't done well, you know, I've done all right. But uh but there are many. But what I really love about it is the cerebral challenge and uh running the pink fund um and and doing this uh working with my friends, I love being wrong because I'm wrong every day. It's just how wrong am I, and can I still make money anyway and that's always the battle between being right and making money, and uh that i I enjoy that battle because it's uh I don't know because I'm sadistic uh I don't know <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of like the, the the latest line of questioning I get from hedge fund guys because they're all looking for, because the CPI cowbell thing didn't work out. Now it's got to be the labor market. So they're like, today in my inbox, it's like, did you see Salesforce? That's got to mean it could, it could be Salesforce has like seventy five thousand or eighty thousand employees. You fire ten percent of it, you know, the numbers like eight to ten thousand people. You know, just take ten McDonald's, ten stores, not like you know. T- 10 billion in market cap. Take 10 stores, and you have more employees essentially than that. So, you know, the the, the labor market we keep telling people is is a gigantic pyramid. Uh, you live at the top of the pyramid if you're having a conversation with me and you run money, and, and so do the people at Salesforce. At the bottom of the pyramid, I mean, these jolts, these jobs opening numbers are huge today, and and there's no relief in wage in in the most recent wage inflation. So that's been my latest pushback because their latest, you know. <laughs> Worries about the fears has to do with you know the labor market getting worse at a faster rate, et cetera, et cetera. Do you have any uh, quick thoughts on that? Because I want to get into some of your single side. Well, ideas. I do
1: because it actually plays into like w- one of the ideas I have for the year. Because I always think about things that have to happen, and one thing that has to happen is that the no matter what, the uh, Fed has to get the short end of the yield curve down to two, and they're going to drill the economy to do so, and. That is, you know, the pain that, uh, that has been exacted in, through quantitative tightening and negative M2 and the short end of the yield curve being, which will probably be 525 or 550 uh, percent. Uh, what that means is we're gonna get, we're gonna have probably a meaningful credit problem and recession. And so what works then? Well, what's gonna happen is that the two year the yield on the two year is going to go from 4.7 to two or lower. And over what time does that have to happen? Well, between now and a year from now. So I now have a one year trade long the uh, two year. And since the two year is yielding, you know, 4.5%, you can actually use that percent coupon to cheaply lever it up and run levered long the two-year in size. And I think that that will probably be the two-year and three-year treasury are going to be some of the best performing uh, assets uh, between now and year end. Huh. And, and really, it's I look at it and I say, well, how do I lose money on this? Okay, inflation just explodes higher. And I have no idea how that happens now because I look at rents. I'm involved with rents. I look at car prices, I look at energy prices, I look at uh, even the cadence in wages, which is, uh, you know, slowing. But you kind of add it all together and versus the comps that we've just experienced. And net-net, I think that especially when the credit starts to roll uh, with this continued pressure on credit, uh, I have no idea how we don't have a meaningful collapse in inflation uh, throughout this year. And with that, uh, we'll be portending towards a recession and future rate uh, reductions. And so the two year is gonna drop with it, meaning the interest rates will drop, but the two year value will explode. And so I am set up in a levered long two year position right now. And I'm there because I really don't know what the downside is. I don't see, I could be, I might, honestly, I might be a month early, all right, but that's okay. When I see it, I'm not going to get the top. I'm not going to get the bottom. I just have to be there in pretty good size for the middle. So I'm there in about half position, and I'm waiting and watching, and that's it. And we'll have a moment, and when that moment happens, I think it's going to happen pretty quick.
0: Yeah, I would say that your downside is I use my wrist range to answer that question. I don't use my, you know. Sure, I haven't even looked at it. Um, Yeah, so you'd have, in the very immediate term, you'd have, you know. Five basis points of upside material, which is nothing for you. Um, but you know, like I'd be expecting that to make a big lower high versus where that peaked in early November up near 475. So that, that'd be your ultimate downside in the bonds is, you know, so that's very interesting and, and that's what you should look for asymmetrically against. And, and you always tell me this because Mike and I talk a lot and he'll, he's, he's like, he, he goes really short and he goes really long. Uh, he's been he was really short last year I, as many people know i max myself at minus 25% at short so i'm kind of like a wussy compared to mike and admittedly so um, but he does look he, once he gets that short you you tend to look for some asymmetric longs so that you don't stay that short and i think that that's a very thoughtful you know way to do it how about on the short side of stocks like i don't know if you want to rank them one, two, three, or you know in terms of ideas um well it's actually Believe it or not, I have some long ideas.
2: Uh,
1: I have my long ideas because a number of names at the end of the year got absolutely tanked uh, on tax-loss selling, and Mm -hmm. so there's a handful uh, that are really unique in having uh, transformative events or sort of long-term themes that this is what I look for is things that sort of have to play out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I'd like to bring up um, a little company called Freyer, and I'm long this name. F-R-E-Y. It's a, uh, it's a battery company yep. and, and it's a 1.1 billion market cap. Uh, and it's small and I don't always dabble in small stuff, but I'm going to give you guys like relatively small stuff. And these are things that I think are multi, multi baggers. And that's, so if I'm going to buy something small, that is what I'm looking at. And, uh, and Freyer is going to be delivering batteries. Uh, they're building a plant going to be delivering batteries for sale in uh, 2Q, and they're building out plants in Europe and the U.S., and they have a, a great battery technology. It's not a risky battery technology. It's validated, and uh, what is different about them is that they're able to uh, produce at a much lower cost than others, uh, materially lower cost. Uh, and, and that's the unique feature. And so they're going to be able to deliver a profit margin that is meaningful in a space of exploding battery usage. Uh, and I don't just mean cars. It's everything. Everything. Uh, and, and, in fact, they're not even angling entirely for uh, automobiles. They will be in automobiles. It's just not exclusively that. So the company right now, $1 billion market cap, 1.1, has a $5 billion backlog. And as soon as they start delivering in 2q and and by the way you have real players in here like the Koch brothers are involved uh meaningfully involved especially with the u.s footprint uh, that this backlog is going to go from 5 billion to 25 billion dollars because there is nowhere near enough capacity for the next 10 years so these guys are going to be able to lock up super deals on $25 billion of backlog, and then it's just going to go from there as they build out the footprint. Uh, so at a billion dollar market cap, I, with all of this, uh, starting plants, announcing uh, offtake agreements and on and on and on, you're going to be able to build a model that shows we're going to be making over a billion dollars in EBITDA really soon. Uh, and this thing should be trading like it's comps at 14 times EBITDA. So, so this is, you know, going from 1.1 billion to 15 billion market cap and then more. So this is just, and, it, and now it's gotten cut in half at the uh, tax loss selling period. I, I'm like, this is an incredible moment to get in. And this is around the area that I did get in around seven or eight because I, I pitched it earlier last year. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm actually much larger now than I was then, uh, because it's such a compelling argument. Uh, and remember, even in bad markets, there are stocks that do well. Really compelling execution in a crappy environment gets bought. It gets paid for. And this, I believe, is one of those names. The other one, I believe, is, uh, PCT, which is, uh, pure cycle therapeutics or, uh, technologies. And, uh, PCT I've owned for a while. It's very similar story to Freyer, except they're making plastic rather than, uh, making batteries. And, uh, it, It's it's positioned as a um as a plastic recycler where they make polypropylene and their plant is going on, their first plant is going on imminently, so it goes from a a kind of a concept story uh into an execution story, much like Freyer, uh which has an incredible amount of value in it, billion dollar market cap. Uh but what's really interesting about PCT uh is that they're really a plastics manufacturer instead of a recycler. And if you look at the attributes of this, they're able to recycle polypropylene into a virgin-like um, polypropylene, which is pure, and it can be used in a zillion things from food packaging to automobiles. Um, but they're able to make this product for less than a petroleum company can make polypropylene. Their margins on this are higher. And not only that, their pricing is higher. The demand is completely inelastic because everyone gets to put on their packaging recycled plastic Mm -hmm. and that's incredibly strong powerful marketing and of course the carbon footprint element to it and not only that in Europe, which they will be expanding to uh, this uh, this year in 23, in Europe there's a, a 40 some odd cent tax per pound on this plastic. And there's no recycling of it. So these guys are going to be able to take that tax, stick it into the price, and it goes right to the bottom line. Um, On the first plant, they already have well over a decade of backlog. Every plant that they build, and they're in the process of building a giant plant while they're finishing off the small plant, which is their starter plant. uh, And that'll be done in 24 Uh, Expect them at many, many, many plants uh, doing this exact same thing, building a moat. And they have a technology with IP that nobody else can do, and that's why nobody's ever done it. So you basically have pricing power, a monopoly, a white space, and inelastic demand. And we're on the cusp of that execution right here. So this is another one that I bought a lot of, and it is, like most small caps, it's down. Uh, But I have hedges to offset that, and I think that that will work Uh, because I see a long-term white space here where there just aren't enough competitors, and there's uh, meaningful demand, a lot like Freyer. And then lastly, I'll bring up one called MP. The ticker is Michael Peter. And uh, MP is uh, also aligned with the auto business and the shift to EV. It's a $4.2 billion market cap, And it's trading at 20 times forward, and they are the only U.S. miner and processor of rare earths. And if you just take a gander of how many EVs have to be made worldwide, and there are so few rare earths players, and I bring this up because it's also dropped about 40% in the last couple of months on tax loss selling. This is going to be, over the next future years, this is going to be a huge home run. I mean, we have a vertically integrated uh, U.S. where the U.S. policymakers are intent on securing our own uh, rare earths. This is the only player to do it. Its cost of capital is going to be greatly reduced through government intervention and assistance. And that's the same for Freyer and probably the same for PCT, where they're going to be able to get loans with government subsidies for doing all their things. So I like MP, Freyer and PCT. I think that these are multi-baggers, uh, and I think that PCT and Frey are, are probably multi-baggers
0: over the next uh, 12 months. Well, you have, uh, you have just successfully and professionally and masterfully, really, because not many people can do what he just did, which is uh, synthesize three ideas like that in a very short window of time and get you to the point. That's, that's, it's a high-level skill in this game. You know, To get it right from there uh, is entirely another but um, you just covered the entire Q&A, by the way, on, on all three of those, because and it's interesting, you know, like, you know, because c- the audiences have been trained by other platforms. You know, the platform that was rear vision to pitch Luna or, you know, CNBC's you know, perpetually pitching stocks. So people, they're still in that thing. You know, like I'm, I am a little surprised that there, there aren't uh, any questions that aren't being voted up that have to do with. These shoes to drop. I mean, we get that you you, you care about uh, the stock picks, and 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 Mike just literally circled the entire Q and A on that. So, so thank well, you I'm sure. actually I,
1: I did have a short, I did have a short,
0: and okay, well, we got four up, minutes
1: it, left. Well, it so blew say. up today. It blew up. I have a whole bunch of shorts, but it blew up today, and I wanted to talk about it. Uh, it's a Novix. Oh, really? ENBX. Okay. Yes, yeah. and and I know you had a guest earlier who's very bullish on this uh, battery producer, and I researched all the battery producers. And uh, and I didn't understand what they were talking about being bullish Novix because I did the work on it and I and with some assistance from uh, tech people that I talked to and and we came to the conclusion that they can't make this battery they can't make it with any scale and the fail rate the yields as you would call it is extremely high Ooh. and I didn't understand. Well, then what happened was the CEO quit on December 29th and I wanted to come on here and say, hey, whoever this new guy is, he's going to have to come clean. And I just didn't know that it would be literally four days later and here we are, I came clean and the stock's going <laughs> you know, to cut in half and because they, don't, they can't make this bad. It's a great idea, but it's a concept company that they can't make it. And I want your listeners to know that I spend a lot of time figuring out frauds that can't work. In many, many spaces, not just healthcare. Uh, as you know, I'm a healthcare analyst or PM. Um, but, but I spend a lot of time on frauds and, and, uh, you know, honestly, I've, I've probably made one third of my entire career on shorts and, uh, and on frauds. Uh, and I suppose I'm just one of the guys that doesn't talk about it a lot or advertise it or promote it i um, have just quietly been doing this. It's more loud now, um, and I just find stuff all the time. Like we talked uh, a little while ago, it was earlier on about Sam Adams, and I went on your program and I said I've talked to distributors that have a thousand days of inventory on the shelf, thousand days in distribution. This is insane, uh, and you saw what happened to Sam Adams. It's just just doing the work and plowing through it and finding things where management is just lying horrifically.
0: Yeah, and you know, this is like uh, maybe a point to finish on here, uh, because it's it's one thing for me to be critical and say, hey, look, you got to get rid of your old wall baggage. You've got to stop watching whatever you're watching, just looking for a pick. A, a pick is not a portfolio. So if you have ENVX and Sam, Sammy Adams on the short side against PCT, PCT is traded in like a range that would be defined as watching paint dry for the last couple months. It's doing nothing. Nothingness is somethingness if you have two shorts against that long. So just using a very basic example that would be inside your book. Now Mike has, and both Mike and I run many more positions inside of the book. So I would encourage you, and, and, and I'm just kind of like, I'm just trying to get Mike people to be less, you know, oh, I got this pick because I got it from Mike. And just think about, like, he has, look behind him. He just said that there are more shorts that are going to go to zero than any time he's seen in his career. So By his, a mile. and So his By longs are non-zeros, and there's a long short book there. And um, maybe just to finish on that, portfolio positioning right now, if you don't mind, can you give people an update how you're set up?
1: I am set up pretty neutral, and I've been neutral, and I got uh, December wrong. I, I did not expect that degree of selling to happen. Mm-hmm. I really did not. Uh I will submit because we talked about Tesla, I've covered uh 90% of my position uh out of spite and I wasn't big enough. I actually had covered a bunch of it um uh once it had dropped twenty five percent uh at the thousand day moving average that would be the two hundred week um and and I, I just did not I I did not anticipate the flush uh like I've seen it. And and we have to remember in this market that has been that no longer has market makers in it. Things that go up go parabolic and don't stop, and things that go down do the same too. Because when things move, there's nobody on the other side to make a market. It's all in the in what we call the pipes and uh, that's hedge fund terms for a machine it's in the pipes so nobody sees it nobody's who, knows who there's no matchmaking done there's no block orders anymore saying we're having a liquidated book here I'll buy that book whatever and I'll pay I'll give you give me a 3% discount on the book and then I'll leak it out over the next month and I'll book a 1% gain I, they don't do that anymore so the movements that we see
0: are violent mm-hmm. which makes i mean which is back to one of the many Uh, excellent coaching points and professional teaching points that you made, which is this year should be very good for long short stock picking. Again, after an absolute level of carnage and collapse, and many, many stocks that are down 70, 80, 100, almost some will be down 100% or go to zero, uh, that's what happens, right? The shorts that work start to go down less because they actually become longs. And the, and the longs that h- held up, which is exactly what happened yesterday, the, the Goldman basket of 12 month winners was down 2.8%, Mike, on the day with spies down 40 basis points. That tells yes. you all you need to know. I mean, it's, um, so it's a very interesting and exciting time for, for somebody like you that's, that's had such a good run. And I'm so happy for you because you're such a good guy and you you're really like, you're putting yourself out there because you want to help people. And that's like a, there's a, there's a noble cause to that there's a huge teaching and component teaching an educational component to that and I think we you know if there were Mike Taylor's in the world we would find them um, you know but there aren't that many that are willing to, to do what he does when he comes on hedge I TV and do it with with courage and and conviction and also just 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 be an all-around good person in this business and we need more of that so I just wanted to, to thank you for spending time with us well I'd like you to do a Private call with my wife.
1: Because <laughs> she's told me many times that one Mike Taylor is enough. So,
2: <laughs> if um, you might, I,
0: uh, I'll, I'll pass on doing that call with her, but I may do, uh, I may do a conference call with Max if he, uh, maybe we'll bring him on on I TV to explain, uh, you know, his next victory if he gets it. Uh, yeah,
1: well, we're in store. We're racing indie uh, this year, Indy Junior Cars, and uh, and we're still doing the national karting tour uh, for his uh, second year, and it uh, went really well. He finished uh, P2 in the U.S., and uh, he just did a, a global event, an international event, where he finished P3. And I was like, that's a second place and third place. And for a rookie year, that's, damn, he has the gene, dude. I don't know what to do about it, but it's going to cost a hell
0: of a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> so. That that's uh, so. You better just keep making money, as you like to say. Yeah, and, and, you know and it, you, and you can you know fund it. it. <laughs> so well, thanks. Thanks again, Mike. Appreciate having Heath, you. Best of luck to everyone you. this year. Thank you. He is the one and only Mike Taylor. I mean, come on, you got to follow the guy. Again, get involved. He'll he'll reply to you. By the way, on Twitter, he's got a lot of knowledge to give. Uh, the
2: The world needs more pros pros like him. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Real Conversations brought to you by Hedgeye. Don't forget to check out Hedgeye.com to get more actionable investing insights from our team of more than 40 research analysts. And check us out on Twitter at our handle, at Hedgeye. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors and accuracies or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the contents. All investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at hedge.com slash Terms of Service.